So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Happy halfway point in 2021. It is the end of June. It is the end of the second quarter. The world seems to be a very happy place right now. The world is booming. Places are opening back up. A lot of places are looking like they did a couple years ago. It's not necessarily a new normal. Life is, is pretty decent in a lot of places out there. And in others, I know places are still pushing to come back. So the world is definitely changing a lot different than it was a year ago. And it, because it's the end of June, today is one of those special episodes where we go back and we replay a few minutes of each of the episodes we did during June. So you can see if there's one that you want to go back and listen to later. Here's the first one. This was State of the Market 76, Millennial Home Buyer's Biggest Regrets. This was me talking to David Green. Here you go. This article, it's a Business Insider article. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the article. But it just came out eight hours ago. It says, Millennials who snapped up homes in the hot real estate market revealed their biggest regrets from unexpected costs to high mortgage payments. And the funny thing about surveys is they can say like, hey, do you have any regrets? And of they could probably say, yes, I have regrets, but I still wouldn't do anything different. And so the so I think the, the word regret can be strong, but it says 64% of millennials regretted buying their current home. Again, I don't know if that means that they wish they wouldn't have, but this says their reasons included unexpected maintenance costs and high mortgage payments. The frenzied market led many buyers to snap up homes, skipping inspections and due diligence. You know, when we were on here like four months ago in the Boston market, like Kimberly Meserve talked about, she said every buyer there was just released, was just waiving inspections. That's the only way you could get your offer accepted. So the it said uh, among homeowners between 25 and 40, they surveyed 1,425 people. All right. So regret may be a strong word and maybe, but this is really funny. Maybe funny is the wrong word. 20% of, 21% of millennials said maintenance and other costs are too high. That surprise you? No, because no, I mean, what's the stereotypical understanding of a millennial that don't know how to do anything? And they're not very aware of what's going on in the world around them. I don't think maintenance costs are any higher than they were 50 years ago. I think 50 years ago, people knew how to fix things on their own and understood when I buy a house, stuff's going to break. Yeah. I think the offset is it. So the so when you rent a home, somebody else takes care of it. When you own yes. the home, you take care of it. But the other benefit too, if you're really pinching pennies like that and you're going, hey, I was renting a house for 1400 now I'm buying. Now my house payment is fourteen hundred. The tax credits a benefit of owning a home offset it. So and the loan pay down. Yes. At, yeah. At the same time, so the person that maybe so if if they spent, I would like to see like what was the average expense. And they're like, oh well, I spent three thousand dollars more than I thought I was going to. I bet their house is worth three thousand more today than it was <laughs> when. when and if you ask the same it. question five years from now. Where their payments fourteen hundred and everyone else is paying nineteen hundred in rent that they used to be fourteen hundred, they'll say buying this house was the best thing that I ever did. Do you think agents need to do a better job at telling people ahead of time, hey, once you're a homeowner, you're going to have costs like this, or do you think it's do you think it's not an agent's job? No, I do think that's an agent's job. In fact, it's kind of a little like be in my bonnet that 
agents tend to show their value as pure emotion. Hey, I will hold your hand the whole way. I specialize in first-time home buyers. The process of buying a house for the first time or the tenth time is not any different. What they're just saying is basically, I'm an emotional caretaker in this process, and that is a role we play. But do you go to anybody else in the world who says, "I'll hold your hand"? When you go buy a car. And the person says, hey, I don't really know anything about cars, but I will hold your hand through the whole signing process. You'd be hitting the road. When you go to a stockbroker or the person you're going to for financial advice, are they just offering emotional support or do you expect them to understand their industry and what it is that they're selling you? Agents need to be able to articulate to their client from a financial or a wealth building perspective what the best move would be for them and show them their options of why it makes sense. What I was telling my team the other day is we have a ton of people that are all scared. I get they're scared. If they were looking at themselves 10 years later with the way that rents are going up in the Bay Area, they would be terrified not to buy a house right now. I mean, it's literally 200 to 300 bucks a year that rents are increasing in a lot of these areas. So you're paying 3,500. In two years, you're going to be paying 4,000. Two years after that, you're going to be at 4500 It's going up that quickly. If you don't lock your payment in by buying a house, you're going to be losing a ton of money. And if we cannot explain to people, that's the reality, okay? Like the tide is rising. If you don't learn how to swim or you don't get up higher, you're going to end up drowning. To me, that's what the job of the agent is, is to really give you all the information so you can make the right decision. And I think agents have got ourselves into the hot water of having a bad reputation by only focusing on the fear elements of it or the emotional elements of it. All right, remember, if you like that one, go listen to the rest of my interview with David Green. That was State of the Market 76. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site. So buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Next up, State of the Market 77. I got to interview NerdWallet's Holden Lewis, who's a mortgage and real estate expert. We got to talk about all sorts of stuff. Here's a few minutes of that one. What do you think is going to happen with mortgage rates this year, rest of the year? Uh, mortgage rates are going to go up the rest of this year. You know, they, they've been, say, let's talk about the 30-year fixed. I mean, you know, let's just... Let's, when we say mortgage rates, let's talk about that one rate. I think that's a, that's a great qualification. That's the best one to be looking for for trends, for sure. Exactly. So it's been about 3% for quite a while. 
And it's going to go up, I think, starting really, really soon. And what's happening is kind of the impetus for the rate increase starting next week is going to be the meeting of the Federal Reserve's Monetary Policy Committee. And so, some of your listeners might remember the taper tantrum of 2013. Um, and what was happening back then was uh, after the, the meltdown of 2008, the Federal Reserve started buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And by doing that, they're kind of pushing down on mortgage rates, keeping mortgage rates low. In June of 2013, they started talking about, okay, we're going to start buying less every month in mortgage-backed securities. We're going to stop slowly taper those purchases until we're not buying them anymore. And when that announcement was made, I mean, it, it was no surprise. I mean, we, we knew eventually the Fed was going to have to stop buying mortgage-backed securities. But when the Fed chairman at the time said, okay, we're going to start talking about developing a timetable for tapering our purchases, mortgage rates shot up. Uh, the, the market kind of, well, it was called the taper tantrum. You know, it wasn't a panic. It was more like, how dare you? you know, that was yeah. kind of the market's reaction. So since the uh, pandemic started, the Fed has been buying billions of dollars every month of mortgage-backed securities. And they've been making some noise lately about how they need to start talking about talking about tapering those purchases. And so next week, I think you're going to see kind of a, a formal statement from them saying, we haven't developed a timetable, but we're going to have to start talking about a timetable. And just those words coming from the Fed are going to cause mortgage rates to rise. I think, I think we're going to start seeing that next week. You might see them go down from one week to another a little bit, but the overall trend is going to be up through the end of this year. So what do you, what do you think? Is there, and I think you said before, really there's nothing that's going to change it for a while, but anything that might be uh, you know, causing that crash, like what we saw before. I don't think we're in a bubble now. I just don't think that there's going to be a crash. You just have these demographic factors combined with, frankly, home builder timidity from what happened in 2007, 2008, and, and the next few years, that they combined. So you just have, you just don't have nearly enough houses and you have this demographic bulge of millennials who are in that part of their lives when people tend to buy their first homes. You just have way more people who want to buy homes, create families, than there are houses out there. And with that, you just... Um, you're not going to have a crash. Plus, lending nowadays is just so much more responsible than it was back in 2005, 2006, 2007. There's just, there's just no comparison. If you want to hear more predictions and more fun stuff from that episode, remember, go back and listen to State of the Market 77. Next up, here's one of our real estate classics, the right way to hire in real estate with Trevor Finch. Where, where'd you find these, these new buyer agents suddenly that are going to start March 15th? I, I individually recruited every single one of them. Uh, in all honesty, I did a lot of research and training on this because I have failed miserably in the past at it. Okay. So it was, uh, I mean, I did the standard Craigslist ads, and a lot of them were, were I have a very large sort of social media uh, presence with regards to personally and then our team as well. And I literally spent one evening and I went through every single one of my 1,600 friends and just said, would they be a good fit? And then reached out to probably 50 people, of which about 30 replied back. 
And then I just, you know, went through my process, of course, interviewing and testing and disc testing and, and weaned it down to uh, the four, basically, that are currently taking the course. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I love I love how yeah. you're training them from ground zero. So you're really going after, you know, new agents or agents that aren't even licensed yet and uh, and turning them into rock stars. Yes, none of them none of them were in the business. And I don't know that I would ever hire someone that was in. I, I shouldn't say I wouldn't. It's just not what I would ever go after. If it uh, if that opportunity presented itself and it was a good fit, I would absolutely, uh, you know, uh, go down that path. But I, I'm not ever probably going to recruit currently licensed uh, licensed agents so that's great well why don't you close the show out trevor with a, a your motto or a quote that uh, our audience can can think about after this has been over and say you know trevor finch says this or or uh, you know the one thing they remember about this what uh give us something to inspire us as the rock star nation okay well um let me just think for a sec i mean ultimately again i'll reference that you know having a big why and a big goal for knowing what you want to accomplish is the driving force behind any of this. Again, understanding that you have to prospect to be successful in this business. Those are sort of the philosophies my team. And of course, uh, being a consumer-centric person, right? Customer first, exceed their expectations, serve your customers, and the, the, rep, you know, the, the reputation you'll get from that. Like myself personally, if I didn't have my team, I'd still sell 60 houses a year just off my past clients. So, and that's because of the level of service they were giving. But mm-hmm. I know a quote that we have on our wall that I've always found inspiring, but it's, I forget the, I, it, it's actually marked as unknown on our wall, but it basically just says when you want success is, is that as much as you have to breathe, then you will be successful. Yes. Yes. I love that. And there's a million videos on that, but, uh, yeah, you know, the one, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. our team watches that often and, uh, it fires us up. All right. If you like that one, go listen again to our real estate Rockstars classics, the right way to hire in real estate with Trevor Finch. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our podcast sponsor, Housefolios. We're in real estate to find the next big deal, right? We wanna find the deal, make money, and then turn around and do it all over again. It can be frustrating having to search through thousands of properties trying to find that Goldilocks property that is just right for your investment goals. That's why we're here to tell you about Housefolios. Housefolios is a management software for single family home investors that makes it simple to find good deals, get financing, and manage your property portfolios all from one platform. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily search for properties, both listed and unlisted, analyze numbers based on your specific assumptions, and provide resources to get you through underwriting and closing. And this is a feature we like most. You can track your numbers at multiple levels. Want to see the returns on the specific property in seconds? Check. How about an entire portfolio of properties you're looking to buy? Check. And then being able to present these properties to investors to become the go-to real estate agent for their investment needs, how awesome is that? Managing your investment properties has never been easier. The best part, it's affordable. Plans start at just $29 a month, 29 bucks to unlock the tools to manage your entire investing cycle, all in one place. Check it out at housefolios.com. And if that's not enough, Housefolios is giving our listeners a special rate on an entire year of Housefolios, just 99 bucks. So instead of 29 bucks a month, 99 bucks, for the year, head on over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to sign up. Again, head over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to get an entire year of Housefolios for only 99 bucks. Next up, we had another classic, our Real Estate Rockstars Classics, Tom Ferry's six-step system for extraordinary success in real estate. Here's a few minutes of that one. Today, 
we see right now our clients are at about 39.5, so just call it 40 and round it up, 40 conversations to one sale made. Wow. 40 conversations. So if somebody was on the line in the Rockstar Nation and they said to me, Tom, I want to sell 36 homes next year, I'd say, well, great. Let's times that by 40. So you got 1,440 people you need to have a real estate conversation with in the next 12 months. Wow. And then I say, by the way, no agent actually works 12 months. So let's divide that by 10 and say in 10 months. So now I've got to make 144 conversations a month. Now, remember, the beautiful thing about what we do is if you wear your company name badge, 60 or 70 people a month walk by and go, hey, you sell real estate? How's the market? And those conversations count. And people that walk into your open houses and say, is this really going to sell for 450000 bucks?" Those conversations count. And every person you meet, right, online, offline, past clients, centers of influence, friends and family, all those conversations count. So the 144 may sound overwhelming. The key is what questions you ask, the things you say to those 144 people. That's what moves the needle. So even then I'd say, 144 a month. Most agents have a minimum of 24 a month, you know, work days. So that means you've got six conversations a day. So I started this by saying, number four is know your daily number. So if you said to me, I want to sell 36 homes, I'd say times that by 40, right? Which would lead you all the way down the path of knowing you've got six conversations a day. So what we know today with our clients is we say, your daily number is six. And then I say, by the way, Half of them should be to the people inside your database. Half should be new. And then I would always add plus four lead follow-up. Plus four lead follow-up. So their daily number would be 334 to sell 36 homes. Now, the key, though, is, as I mentioned a minute ago, beyond just knowing your daily number and scheduling what we would call your hour of power, where you're going to say, I'm going to spend that hour and I'm going to dedicate my time to contact three people on my database, to contact three new people every day, and then make my four lead follow-up calls, all those people that I met three months ago, six months ago on Zillow or at an open house or whatever else, to keep nurturing the relationship and trigger that moment where they're ready to list or buy. I'm going to do all that inside my hour of power, but it's the questions that you ask. See, it's, it's knowing to say, like, you know, well, what price would you become a seller? Or what price are you no longer a seller? Or, gosh, you know, based on what you're telling me, you want to buy a house, but your price range versus your desire doesn't seem to match. What's your plan B in case this doesn't work out? You know, the, the highly skilled sales professional that understands that sales is just the ability to ask a series of questions that naturally, naturally, and automatically lead you and the prospect to a mutually desired end result that person understands words matter. Words really, really matter in this business. So mm. if you know what to say, Pat, your daily number actually drops if you don't right. know what to say, yeah. right? And, and you mentioned, you know, Stefan Swampool. I'm sure you probably, as I have, I've got all 15 years of his trend report sitting right here inside my office. I can remember in 2007 when he quoted the National Association of Realtors where they said 88% of all people that got into real estate came in with no sales and marketing skills whatsoever. Right. And I used to take that and I would I'd put it on every PowerPoint and then I added the Tom Ferry quote behind it. And most maintained it. <laughs> so I would challenge you, know your daily number. And if you're not working on improving your skills, your ability to present effectively, handle objections, be comfortable in the conversation. You're going to struggle and your numbers are going to go up. 
All right, if you liked that one, go back and listen to the rest of that Real Estate Rockstars classic, Tom Ferry's six-step system for extraordinary success. Next up, Stay the Market 78, your real estate questions answered. This was the podcast where I went ahead and I answered lots of questions that people were sending on Instagram and email and got, got some information out for you. Here's a couple minutes of that one. Paul on Instagram said, do you think lumber production ramps back up to previous levels once the unemployment benefits run out and lumber companies staff back up? So one of the articles that I had read with Sean talked about the inability to staff uh, you know, lumber manufacturing plants. So part of the reason they're having trouble is why would someone want to go back, you know, in Oregon where they're still getting double unemployment benefits, why would someone want to go back and work in a, in a, in a lumber yard, you know, in a sawmill cutting lumber, very difficult work, very hard work for low pay when they can get paid the same to stay home. So the, his question said, once unemployment benefits run out, do I think the lumber companies will staff back up? Yes. So I think that once benefits run out everywhere, a lot of places it will be easier to staff up. But I don't think it's going to go back to 100% of what it was before. And so what I mean by that is, so, and, and that could be restaurant workers, that could be all sorts of factories, all, Home Depot, you know, any business out there, you name it. There are a lot of people that are choosing not to work right now because the benefits, uh, you know, outpay and there will become a point where when the benefits go away, they realize they have to go back to work in order to survive, in order to pay their bills, in order to live the life they want to. The only caveat to that is not everybody's going to come back, but some people have just changed. Some people have realized that they've had these new lifestyle shifts that they like not working, that they were getting burnt out. Maybe working in the post-COVID world also isn't, isn't as much fun. Maybe it's not great. Maybe they've got used to working from home. And as soon as they have to go back to an office, they're, they're not going to cut it. I have heard many, many stories of people who've been working for companies for a long, long time. that in just the last month or two, decide they didn't want to work anymore. They were going to go take some time off. They're going to go on sabbatical. They're going to take a few months off because they're a little bit burnt out. So I think that, I, you know, to, to Paul's question again, I think when unemployment benefits run out, the lumber mills will get staffed up. Restaurants will get staffed up. Everything will get staffed up. Prices will come down a little bit. By then, we'll probably have some technology to make up for the, the people that don't come back. But some people don't want to come back ever. You know, some people are going to have a really tough time coming back or they're going to change businesses, which everyone has the right to do whenever they want. They can decide, is, is it worth working or would I rather not? So Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real life human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many come. They aren't going to punish you when you grow. They're not going to charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're going to charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, rent ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com.
And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50. That's Rockstar50. And sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. The number five said investment firms are really beating out average home buyers. Average bidders often rely on mortgage financing to close. If banks are leery and many major SFR companies are just buying in cash. So it does say cash buyers are, you know, able to purchase for more. They're able to pay over that. So they're, so they they do have often listings and the people that got interviewed said, yes, often they'll have 80 bidders on their house. And then at the end of the day, it's usually going to go to the investor that paid the most cash for the property. And what can you do as an agent with that information? How does that help you? One of the things you can do as you're trying to go get those listings is knowing that there's some of these other buyers that are out there. You can, you can also try to figure out what markets are they not participating in. And then if you are competing against an investor, the only thing that's going to help with a seller on that is sales price. And I know that's the toughest thing for buyers to hear. I've seen a lot of letters come in when people are offering ten dollars or $20,000 under asking. And they're saying, please accept our offer. Please don't accept the other offer. But then you have other offers that are over asking. And the letter will not make as much of a difference as sales price. It's just the way that it works in houses uh, as people are trading things out. So we've talked about it before, but making sure that your buyers write that strong article. If there are investors competing in your market, sending cash, then maybe your buyer can't pay all cash, but they can outbid them uh, with offers because appraisals still are working out really well. All right. If you want to go hear more of me answering questions and other real estate news out there, go finish listening to State of the Market 78. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 976. This was a really cool episode. We took questions that we asked from five different rock stars and we packed them together and the advice that they would give for new agents. What's your number one piece of advice for real estate agents to succeed in today's market? I, I would say that the number one piece of advice is you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to pivot and move fast. Um, in and, and that's true with any entrepreneurial endeavor, but uh, especially right now in a COVID-related world and in, in, in real estate. Had I come in with the fixed mindset of, okay, all I have to do is come into my broker's office and sit and learn and everything will come to me, um, I, would be, I would not have been at the place of where I'm at today with relative success. Get my head out of the rabbit hole and look uh, learn from stuff like your shows, learn from stuff like Inman, where then I had no idea what that was. All I was doing was listening to the one person I knew verse open. Cause I would have known of the portals because they were in their infancy then. Like I came yeah. in 2012, but they were in 2009, I think is 10. They'd are, they just opened. So I would have been able to spend money on zips then and get my foot in the ground versus how I did the old school ways. Cause that's all I was taught as far as like mailers and fax fact letters and canvassing and all that kind of stuff. Get out of your own way. Okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think especially nowadays, I think there's so many people who are self-conscious about video and people who are afraid to really kind of show up and be open and be themselves. I think a lot of the time our own, our own fears and insecurities get in the way of like the opportunities that are actually in front of us. And especially when it comes to things like video and it comes to like online platforms, um, 
it's really, it's really like people don't, are, are not going to be judging you. People aren't looking at, you know, whether or not your makeup's perfect. What they actually really care about is what's coming out of your mouth. It's not how little you spend. It's how much you keep that matters. So you could rephrase that. You could say, you got to spend money to make money, right? For, for me, I spent the early part of my career pinching pennies. I was incredibly frugal. I was incredibly stressed. I was overworked personally. I put too much on my own shoulders, on my own back. I'm good at that, right? If you go back and listen to that episode with my dad, you'll, you'll hear that in his voice. Like that's what he taught us. He taught us how to work. And that was the answer. You know, nobody can ever take your work ethic away from you. Yeah. Right. You can take everything you have, every monetary possession that you ever accumulate, but they can't take away your will to work. If you have your will to work, you'll always be okay. And that, that's true. Okay. But there is a moment where there's like an inflection point when you've had a little bit of success where if you continue to do the same things that you've always done, you put yourself under a lot of undue stress. And I did that. I did that to myself. I did it to my family. I did it to my kids. I did it to my wife. And I wish I would have been more comfortable allowing others to help me sooner. Uh, as a new agent, especially if you want to niche out in like an investor type approach, you want to make sure that you're documenting your stuff and you want to put it on social media and you want to, you know, if you've got a newsletter, send it out to your clients, let them know what deals you're doing, they're doing in Denver. I mean, I've got a lot of clients that were just like, how much can you cash flow in Denver? Like, how are you getting a thousand dollars a month in cash flow? Like on all of these deals? Like, is it too good to be true? And we're like, no, I can point to like 35 deals where we're cash flowing a thousand dollars or more, right? It's very easy, very consistent. You just have to be a little bit creative. And, you know, you tell them, I just tell them, hey, this is what you have to do to cash flow that much. And these are areas you have to be in. And people get pretty excited about it. And then they start telling their friends and really just kind of spirals from there. All right. If you like that one or there's a new agent in your office, be sure to send them back to go listen to the rest of 976. And that's it. You know, that's it. That's it for June. That's all of the podcasts that we had come out this month. Remember to go back and listen to those. Our promise was in 20 or 30 minutes, you'd be able to get a lot of information and decide which ones you wanted to go back to. I know that I am celebrating the second quarter being done. I'm celebrating 2021 being halfway over. And I hope you guys all have a great summer and we'll talk to you soon. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. 
Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.